It has been brought to our attention that depending on the platform that you listen to, you can no longer hear some of our previous episodes. Some of our favorite episodes. Some of the ones where people would reach out and say, hey, listen, I can't believe that you talked to insert whatever name here. And honestly, it makes us a little sad that you can't go back in time and have a listen because the stories were really incredible. We reference a lot of times, oh, we had a chance to talk with so-and-so in the past. And if you can't go back, then it's kind of just, oh. So we wanted to bring some of those guests, some of those former guests back into the spotlight. We're going to call it like a, a rerun, I think. A Why Me Project rerun. Do you remember those? I do. Back in the day, or you used to throw the tape into the VCR and <laughs> oh, we're dating ourselves. We are, but uh, a rerun was the opportunity to rewatch one of your favorite episodes. Now everything's so accessible. Well, we thought it was. Yeah, exactly. So without further ado... Here's your Why Me Project rerun. Somebody says you guys need to get somebody from the Australia area. Right. So we've done our due diligence and we've got somebody. We do. I'm so excited. I feel like we're longtime friends. Well, if you look back to the very first time we met, Mm -hmm. where they taught us the kangaroo hop. Yeah, that was an awkward day. Well, it wasn't because then I introduced (laughs) them to something called the koala hug. Yes, the awkwardness had nothing to do with them or me. So let's ask this man here, Luke. Was it a career highlight or were you scared to death? Mm. Well, you know, I I put it this way. Uh, There hasn't been a, you know, it didn't really necessarily catch on like we had hoped you know mm. i think that we thought that we could go viral yeah uh so i don't i don't know what that means but there's been no no development of the koala hug anywhere else in north america outside Dang of it. canada so Dang it. you know i don't know if that, that that makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside or if you're disappointed i don't, I don't know i think it's a blessing honestly <laughs> <laughs> a little from column A and a little from column B. Luke, we like to ask the skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go, my friend. Who are you okay. and where did you come from? Who am I? I, I am uh, I am Luke, as they call me. And uh, I am originally uh, from the land down under. I'm originally from Australia. And uh, now we live in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I've got my beautiful wife, Courtney, and three kiddos, which are all boys, which is mayhem and super fun. <laughs> and uh, you know what? That probably sums up who I am. When did you guys officially make the move that you were going to go from Australia to uh, the United States? Well, my dad uh, was a concert promoter in Australia and uh, and did it for a long time, long, long time, was very, very successful. And he brought one, uh, he brought one to a back that uh, didn't go well at all. And, and he actually lost you know, basically everything that we had, lost the house, lost the, the car, lost the savings. And so he was looking for a fresh start. And uh, he got a job offer in Nashville, Tennessee. So he thought it would be a good idea to move his six kids and uh, his uh, wife, who was six months pregnant at the time. And uh, that's what we did. And we were all uh, pretty young. And, but we, we got to kind of start out a, a, a kind of a new life, for lack of a better term. And, and that's really what has led us, obviously, to having these conversations, has led us to being involved in music in the way that we are. And you, you look at very difficult circumstances like what we went, went through as a, a family when we first came, and you sit there going like, man, why are all these things happening? And now you look back, and it's probably the greatest gift that our family has ever been given, that uh, we lost everything in Australia and came to America. You were how old when you made the move? I was uh, nearly five, so very young. I mean, now that you're a dad, looking at what your parents had to go through and you know, literally transplanting into a whole new country, let alone a whole new city, I mean, just sounds super overwhelming. <laughs> Well, it does. Oh, I know. the thing that I, I don't know—I I had never labeled it this way before. But in the last few years, I'm like, "Mom, Dad, you guys were immigrants." 
you came from another country and and built a life you know in America and uh, you know that you don't hear that narrative very much anymore you know you, you kind of you revert back to you know in the states the Ellis Island days of people coming through there but we we did it in a different way and and I you know with six kids uh, my dad actually lost his job when we came to Nashville and so you're sitting there going you know, strand on the other side of the world, how are you going to survive? And, and they did it. You know, they figured out a way. And, and, you know, my dad was 40 at the time and, and started life from scratch. As I said, you don't really hear that that uh, that being talked about much anymore. And, and he did that. And I, I got all the respect in the world for what my, my mom and my dad uh, were able to uh, accomplish by, by coming here. Was faith always a big part of uh, you and your family? Absolutely. Yeah, my, my uh, m- kind of the lineage of my, my family, my uh, grandparents, my great grandparents, I think my great great you know grandparents were all raised uh, following Jesus, and so uh, my my grandfather was a pastor, and uh, so my my mother uh, was raised in serving the, you know the local church, and uh, you know my my dad's parents were kind of like deacons and elders in their churches and, and things like that, and so we were all very much raised in uh, in, in the ways of. Uh, of Jesus, trying to, uh, my parents were, as the Bible says, raise them up as they should go, you know. Can you remember or pinpoint a moment where the faith didn't become just your family lineage, but it came your own? It's interesting, as I look back, I, you always kind of have the one moment where, and for me, I was eight years old, and apparently I was like a a crazy liar at like seven and eight years old, and (laughs) that was my reputation, actually. And there was a, a moment when I must have lied to my mother about something, and so my dad came and was dealing with me. And I just remember thinking to myself, "Man, I've got like uh, I, I, I can't really overcome this bad habit of of lying." And I, I, for whatever reason, I said to my mother, "I said, Mom, I just know that I need Jesus to come in, into my life and do something." And then she obviously was so excited at that point, and she's like, "Well, let's go tell you, Dad." And, and so we had our, our moment where we just prayed together, and I just remember this significant weight coming off my shoulders. But I think the other thing that that takes place is you think that kind of faith uh, and your faith pilgrimage almost ends there versus starts. And then as I've gotten older, there's been multiple times where Jesus has become so much re- more real to me in, in you know, really, really powerful ways. And I'm really grateful for that. I think that we always look back at that that one moment, and, and but in, in as far as growth in my life, some of them have happened, you know, in, in my mid-20s, probably some of my most significant moments where I've really gotten to understand that the heart of Jesus the most was uh, was in my mid-20s. So I think there's, there's always kind of a refining process taking place in faith, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that it's not just a, hey, I got this all figured out, adios. I'm grateful <laughs> that he continues to reveal himself in new ways to me. When did you realize then that you had a love of music and that you guys, you know, could make it to where you are today? I don't think you ever think, like, I don't think back, I don't think you ever think, you know what, I'm going to be talking to these folks up in Canada and we're going to be, you know, they're going to have these conversations and we're going to be talking about koala hugs and things. I don't think you ever have that <laughs> uh, that concept in your head. I, you know, I grew up singing just like my whole life. Like, my, my family was fairly musical and, you know, I taught myself how to harmonize and all that stuff. And not even consciously, you just kind of did. And I don't think you ever... When you start out in, in music, you start out just because you, you care for it and you love it and you see impacts people. That was probably the biggest thing for me is I've never felt like the most musically gifted man in the world, but yet I've had these melodies and I've had these songs and I've had these things kind of in my heart. 
I never really knew what to do with them until I got older. And then I, you know, I got this kind of place where it was like my brother Joel came to me and was like, hey, what do you think about writing some songs? And, and so then this stuff kind of started to, to come out. And when you start out in music, you never start out thinking, well, I'm going to get to this point. You, you start out because you believe that you just got to take the next step in front of you. And you have hopes of, of, of big dreams. I think it's really important to dream for everybody out there. That dream big dreams. I think it's amazing. But it's also very important to make sure you don't try and skip a bunch of those steps in between those, the, the, your dreams and where you find yourself. And I think for us, we really like, hey, you know what? We've we got to get this out of our system, so let's see, if, let's see if music is something. And if it's not, then I guess those doors will be slammed shut, you know, and... Uh, we just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and, and here we are today. Was your music career, air quote, easier because you had the success of your sister kind of uh, ahead of you and your brother? I wouldn't say it was easier. We, we didn't talk about it much early on because we just didn't want people to think, oh, we're using that as kind of our way into, into the world. Uh, I think what helped me and Joel a lot was we got to see the behind the scenes of how my, my sister handled things. Hmm. As far as like success and, and the business side, I think that, that was one thing. But how my, my sister handled things personally, it was easier to handle the stuff that comes along with what we do because I got to see it first and foremost with how she handled things. And, and to be honest, some mistakes that she made, and then a lot of, and most of it though, was how, how humble she remained, how kind she remained to people, and how important that was, how relational she was. That absolutely helped us. But in some cases, it was more difficult because you, you knew what it was like to get to where she and how hard she had to work to get to where she was. And, you know, sometimes naivety in the process of, of trying to start out something fresh is, is a good thing. And, and, and we didn't necessarily have that. So it has, been, it has not been an easy situation, but at the same time, one that we're, we're very grateful for. And, and obviously all the things that she taught us just by how she handled things was something that we'll all take to our grave. Yeah, you guys did a lot of things behind the scenes before you became for King & Country, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I was a, I was a lighting director uh, up until really Joel and I really started working and, and touring. And so he was a stage manager. We were crew guys. And, and it's one of the things that I really love now because, you know, with the, the crew that we work with, I've basically done every job <laughs> that those guys have done. And so anytime they're like, oh, this sucks because of blah, 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 and it's kind of like, hey, not to say that I've been there. I, I told you so. It's just it's kind of nice to be able to be, be able to appreciate them for all their hard work because I remember what it was like. I can go, man, I, I, I remember those moments. You could have utilized your sister and her name. You, I mean, these are the directions that you guys could have done. So then what was the goal of For King and Country when you and your brother came together and say, hey, listen, we want to make music. We want to become a band. Witnessing what had taken place with my sister, just seeing how music had literally changed people's lives, that was probably the thing that was the driving factor behind wanting to do what, what we're doing. I mean, man, we, we're, we're gone a good amount. We have to say goodbye to our wives and, you know, and our kiddos. It's not necessarily a life that is a walk in the park, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. and, and so it has to be for something greater. And I had this moment when we just recently wrapped up working on our new album, and I had the, the entire album digitally on my phone, and I was looking at all the track listings, and I could click on any one of those links and would play the song. And I, I remember sitting there with my wife, and I'm playing all these songs, and I, was, and I realized I found myself kind of sad. And we were talking about, like, why are you sad? I spent a year and a half working on this, and, and I, I was like, honey, is this all it amounts to? Like, it's just 10 songs on here. I've worked a year and a half. I've, you know, we've, 
we've both collectively have sacrificed so much to, to make this odd. And then the epiphany happened to me. If it's just odd for the sake of odd and there's not any life change attached with it, it's a perfect waste of time. But if, it's, if, but if those songs are, are, end up being songs that people are coming to tell us stories about, man, that song right there did X, Y, and Z in, in, in my life. All of a sudden, those songs have, have purpose and have meaning. And essentially, that's why we, we sign up to do what we do now. How special was it for you to be able to do a track with Courtney and Mariah uh, with Pioneer? Oh, man, it was super special, I, especially when you know, we originally wrote that song, and it's just my brother and I singing, and we're singing, look, the pioneers <laughs> together uh, as two males. It was kind of a little weird. Uh, and so to be able to have them make it to, you know, we, we, when we first wrote the song, we had that phrase, let's be pioneers. And I, I remember thinking, like, what does that mean? Like, I, I love the thought of, you know, going back to the pioneering days, but what does it mean to be pioneers today? And then we kind of came up with this thought of, man, in, in romance and in love and in marriage, it's important to pioneer together. It's, a, it's important to, to build things together. It's important to build a life together. It's important to dream massive dreams. It's important to do these things. And, and at that point, we were like, okay, that's cool. So why are Joel and I still singing this song together? And then we, we, we said, well, what if we get the wives? You know, what if we get Courtney and Mariah to sing this with each other? And I'll tell you what, when my wife, she comes in the kind of the back half of that song and she sings there's a song that we sung on our uh, wedding day and i just remember thinking the weight of those words thinking through when we were on our honeymoon all these different things it like moved me it just really 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 moved me so it was very special it's always it's always special to partner in 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 music and in, in art together as uh, as a couple and i mean you you guys you alluded to it as well you do get to take uh your wife and your family on the road but how is it for you to maintain a successful marriage because you guys are touring so much man a great question i i uh the the one mistake well i made many mistakes but one of the things i, I early on in marriage that i realized i had really failed in was I thought that, you know, once these issues arose in marriage and, and we handled them, that they were kind of, like, done for forever. Like, we're never going to go through that problem ever again. There might be plenty of other ones that we'll face. But that one issue that we've kind of solved, you can just stick it stick it in the ground. I mean, it's done. And what I realized was a lot of times it's kind of the same things that come up in marriage. And, and, and it's important to take them on like they are a fresh new thing each time and and for for me i uh i I remember going to uh a guy that was a friend of mine that toured a lot and i said man how do you handle going away from you know saying goodbye to your wife and kids all the time i mean it's just so agonizing for me nearly every single time and he looked at me and he said the moment that it's not agonizing you need to get off the road because your Mm -hmm. marriage is serious trouble. And so for me, I, I think I've realized to kind of, I've, I've worked on kind of living in the tension of, man, I miss my wife. I miss my kids. And it's okay to be sad about that. And it's okay not to pretend as if absolutely everything's okay, but to make sure that when I am home, I'm present and we're making memories together, that we're, that we're living life and, they, and for, for, you know, no pun intended, but to pioneer together, you know, <laughs> to, and, and to, to be able to live life and have it to be rich and to to not try and, you know, control our spouses by, well, you're sad today, but, but why? I told you I loved you, or I had this, you know, we, we're good. Or, allow, hey, if your wife's sad and she misses you, allow that to take place. And if I'm sad and I miss my wife, let's not try and just fix each other. Let's allow each other to, to live in the tension and the, the complication of, of where we find ourselves at times. Before we get to uh, the new album, which is uh, due out in October, one of the things that you had to deal with, uh, and, and it'll be a continued uh, thing, uh, was you and your health. When did you realize that there was something wrong? 
So on the the pasta album uh, Run Wild, uh, we uh, there was a song that my wife and I sung together, and it's called Without You, and it's a, it's a very very special song for us. And uh, it, ironically enough, what what's been so good about this this new album and even seeing that song Pioneers together is Without You was a very sad song uh, in a roundabout way, and it was kind of an unresolved plea. I mean, my my wife sang on a chorus, I don't want to live without you. And it wasn't there was no answer. It was just hey. Uh, just so you know, like no matter what happens, I just don't want to live without you. And there's there's kind of a beauty and the love and the agony and the longing in that song. But to be honest, it's a sad song, uh, and and one that you know when the kids are like, "Hey, I want to listen to Daddy," my wife would always skip. And then if I'm with the kids and "Hey, I want to listen to Daddy," I would always skip. It was it was not an easy an easy thing. And ironically enough, what that song was written about was my wife came to me when I was really really sick. She came into our room and I was just super, super sick, laying in bed, and she said, said I, I don't want to live without you. Uh, you got to fight through this illness. you got to make it through to the other side. And that was the first moment that I realized, man, if my wife is coming to me, and I'm 26 years old, and she's coming to me saying, you got to fight through your life. I mean, I'm, this is not just a cold. You know, this is not something that's just going away. I'm really, 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 really sick, and I've got to take this really, really seriously. You know, that was the moment for, for me that I realized this is going to be a, this is not something that's just going to go away in a week with rest. This is something that I got to battle for and fight for. You guys um, on the personal side have had a lot of ups and downs. First, it was your health, and then uh, your son Leo has been on social media um, previously, yeah. and uh, I know a lot of people were praying for him. How did that impact you, not just as, you know, Luke the singer, but Luke the parent, um, seeing your son so ill? Oh, man, I can almost get emotional just talking about it now. You know, I, uh, it's a lot easier to walk through struggle yourself than see someone else struggle. And uh, for me, you know, I, I go through, I don't think I, maybe I'm still dealing with it emo- emotionally now, but I, when I was sick, it, it didn't. I just knew I had to fight, you know what I mean? And you kind of got that fight or flight thing in you, and you're just like, I got I to gotta ramp up. But when you see, you know, from my, my son, the story was is my, my son, uh, my wife had just put my son down for a nap, and she went out on the porch with a cup of coffee, and she just felt this, like, tugging, hey, you need to go check on Leo again. And literally had just put him down moments before, and uh, she goes, she runs into the room, and she finds him, you know, upside down, blood coming out of his nose and you know he's not breathing and she uh she picks him up runs outside and i was on the i was mowing the lawn at the time and she's yelling for me to call 911 call 911 uh, leo's not breathing and so i run inside i call 911 and they they say i get a hold of emergency services and they say hey uh we're on our way to to, to come to you guys but we're going to be there in six or seven minutes and yeah my wife my wife had my son out in the driveway to be as close to the ambulance as possible and he's I mean, he's not breathing. He's got blood coming out of his nose. He's, I mean, he's dead. And the, and so my wife just started praying these amazing prayers. You know, in the name of Jesus, you bring back my boy. In the name of Jesus, you put air into his lungs. I mean, the prayers, that I, the desperation in that prayer, I've never heard in my entire life. And like 30 seconds later, he, he takes this massive gulp of air and he, and he starts breathing again. And, you know, w- with that... As parents, you just you're emotionally wrecked. We go to the hospital; they can't find anything wrong with them. It's funny because I look back, and in some cases, I would say to people, "I don't ever want to. I don't ever want to reflect on that day again." I remember the exact spot that we had him in the driveway. I'll never, I'll never not know that spot. But with the with the complications and the the, the frailty of life that was realized, I also got to see a miracle. You know, and, and seeing miracles in life is really good. You know, it's it's important to to see 
the faithfulness of God, and it's important to see God come and just do something miraculous. My, my truth is, God could have taken my son, and it doesn't necessarily mean that he's less faithful, but I'm so grateful that I got to see the power of God, and that I saw a, a life that was lifeless, and I saw him literally put air back into his lungs, and that does nothing but good things for my faith. And so it's just catch-22 of, I don't want to go back seeing that dead, my, my dead son, but I do want to reflect on the goodness and the miracle of, of his life, because that does nothing but give praise to, to, to God, I think. It's amazing, too, though, because, I mean, you guys have a new album, which is uh, coming out in October. You guys are able to tell life through song. What can people expect from the new album? You know, I think there's a temptation for all artists to be like, man, I've spent all this time on this album. It's the best album I've ever made, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, one of the things that Joel and I have, have come to the conclusion of is that's not our, that's not our story to tell. That's, that's your guys' story to tell. Yeah, mm. I hope that this music is better or whatever that looks like. But the truth is what my role is as the, as the artist, my role is to, to tell honest stories, to be transparent, to, to talk about the things that God's done in my life, and at the end of the day, I have to leave up everything else to, to, to everybody else. Like, as far as being successful or not successful, that's up to you guys. I'm not, but my, but what I can tell you is, is in the past, you know, past albums, there's always been a few songs that I just feel like maybe I conjured up in my head that I felt like people would be encouraged by. Every one of the songs on this album has literally got like a life story attached to. That has not been done for us before. And so... I'm really proud of the transparency and the honesty of it. And, you know, speaking of that story with Leo, I mean, there's a song, I am actually not shared this uh, in an interview before, but I, when I was on the way to the hospital to visit my son, um, I, I, I started singing these songs in my, my head. And I felt very clearly kind of God say, hey, you should record this. And so I, I started recording it. And there is a song that is on that album that is literally just what I sung on the way to the hospital. I've never written a song like that in my life. And, I, and I, even when I started to, to reflect on that song, you know, a, a few days later or a few months after all that we had gone through with Leo, I was like, I'm not sure I want to listen to this, you know, that type of thing. But there it is, and it's on that album, and, it, and it's raw, and it's real. And, you know, that's the type of thing that we're trying to accomplish with this album, be, be real people and be real people exposed in front of real people. Is it safe to say then this album is really a, an honest time capsule of what you guys are going through? I think that our hope is, is that every album will be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, uh, I don't know if we did that as much on the very first album that we did. I think we did that quite a lot on the second. And I think on this third, we've probably done that the most. You know, I, I think when you put yourself and your story in song, I think you give the, the music the greatest chance to uh, connect with people. Because at the, same, at the end of the day, I'm the same as you. I'm, I, you know, anything that I'm going through, uh, our stories might be different, but we're going through similar things. And one of the things that I realized really early in my career is I thought that when I was experiencing certain things in my life, I, I think that the lie is that you are the only person going through this stuff. And the gift of music is, is you actually get to sing these songs, you get to hear these stories, and they make you feel less lonely. Because when somebody... Uh, comes and says, I love that song that you wrote. That's exactly what I'm going through. People don't know, understand what that means for the artist because then that makes the artist feel less lonely. Because at, at the end of the day, you're, you're exposing a part of yourself that you think that other people are going through, but you don't know until somebody tells you. And, you know, so that's essentially what we're trying to do with uh, new recordings and, and new music. 
I love that because that's why we do the podcast and why it's called the Why Me Project is because everybody's going through hills and valleys and different cycles of it. And sometimes hearing somebody's story can really help somebody get out of their you know, negative why me moment. So I'm going to throw the question out to you. Could be a positive why me moment, could be one where you're just in a valley and you're just crying out to God, why me? But can you think of any in particular that you would like to share? Well, I, uh, so with my, my son, Leo, you know, we had this crazy scare. When we got to the hospital, they, they, didn't, uh, they didn't think that what I'm about to tell you was associated to what happened. But uh, my, they said, hey, do you know that your, your son's skull is fused shut? And I was like, oh, no, we hadn't quite made it to his, his two-month <laughs> checkup. And they're like, yeah, I mean, your son's skull is too shut. You're going to have to have, literally, they're like, you're going to, after everything we've just gone through, they're like, we don't think the two are attached, but you're going to have to have, your son's going to have to have skull reconstruction surgery. And you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> this is unbelievable. And so, at, at, and, and it's such a big surgery that, they like they're like yeah we want him to get a little bit older we want him to put on a little bit more weight because and when the doctors are saying this hey this is a really big surgery you're a little bit like oh okay and they're coming to you and they and where it got the most real for me was they said hey you know um, if you guys want to come and give blood for your son uh, you, you know you can come and do that at any moment and you're like oh my goodness you know this little five month old kid is going to have to have blood transfusions and all this other craziness and so that was you know after everything we had gone through with them already at two months then come to five months you know when you're when you're a father and you're a mother and you take your son for surgery and you got to give him up oh man that that was uh that was a rough moment for for us just kind of handing him over the nurses and and you know what's about to take place and that little innocent life has has no idea all he sees is his mommy and daddy walking away oh that that's uh that's a windy that's a windy road for sure how is he now? Dude, he's awesome. He's not, <laughs> it's funny to think, like, we talk about all these hard things. He's totally normal. I mean, he's just a totally normal. I mean, my wife was sending me videos earlier. He's crawling around. You would never know. You know, his hair's growing back. So he's got this literally from ear to ear, a, a, a scar. And uh, you would never know. Totally normal. Brain switched on, yapping about different things. Uh, he's, he's a, he's lit- you know, it's so funny. His name's Leo, and that name means brave. When we named that kid... We didn't know all that he was going to go through. And then my son is so brave. You, the countenance that he has of contentedness is just beautiful. You would meet him and you'd be like, this, this guy went through all that. He has the most peaceful demeanor, most joyful way about him. He's just a remarkable kid. And we named him Leo, obviously never knowing what he was going to go through. And yet, man, he, is, he has literally lived out his, his name meaning, which is he's brave. New album set to release October the 5th, Burn the Ships. Uh, you could jump online for kingandcountry.com or for King and Country on Twitter and Instagram. Luke, we appreciate you taking a minute, and thank you very much. And hopefully we can bring the koala back in uh, 2019. <laughs> Let's not. Oh, all right, awesome. Well, you guys are always a treat. Thanks for taking the time, and uh, hopefully you got what you were looking for. I did a little recon. There are at least nine different platforms in which you can listen to the Why Me Project podcast. Okay. So there's no excuses, but I mean, some of the main ones like Apple Podcast and or Spotify. And you could always head to our social media accounts to stay up to date as each and every Wednesday we have a brand new episode for Why Me Project. And you can also let us know if there's someone that you would like to hear on a future episode. At Why Me Project on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Why Me Project at Outlook.com. And of course, as always, faithstrongtoday.com.